0: Are you in a band or a person in the events industry? Do you need top of the line front of house audio or just an extra hand setting up your concert, school function or event? Carmen Shoulder's AV Tech provides front of house live audio, monitor engineering, small rentals, stagehand services and more. Visit carmenshouldersavtech.com today for a quote or for more information. Carmen Shoulder's AV Tech. Great sound, hard work, any budget. <laughs>
1: Hello, boils and ghouls,
0: creeps and titties.
1: It's your old pal, the feeder Tonight's tale of terror comes from the Trick or Treaters podcast. Join them as they journey into the horrifying
2: unknown. <laughs> You are listening to the
0: Trick or Treaters Podcast, part of the Slash and Cast Podcast Network, movie reviews, horror news, and all the gory details. Listen if you dare.
3: And welcome everyone to episode four of the Trick or Treaters Podcast. I'm your host Kyle and I'm joined by my co-hosts Maria and JR as usual. And today we have a very special guest with us, our friend Cece from the Screen Queens podcast. How's everybody doing today?
2: Doing great. Looking forward to this conversation. Hi, Cece. Hi, guys. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here.
3: We're very happy. What's up, everybody? (laughs) (laughs) We're glad we could bring you on for this episode. It's been one that we've talked about a while. And I remember when we before we even begin this, what we talked about. Having you on some episodes, so I'm glad that we finally got you on.
4: Yeah, for sure. I'm really excited, especially because it's one of my favorite films that we're going to be talking about today. So
3: exactly. Before we get into it, let's go over a couple of news topics. So first, The Walking Dead announced that it's going to be ending with this next season. That's going to be taking place over two years, 24 episodes, season 11, this upcoming season, is the final season. Apparently, a spinoff series for. The characters Daryl and Carol have also been announced. Has anyone have anything to say about that? I don't know if any of y'all are fans of it. For me, I'll be honest, I watched like the first season or so of Walking Dead, and then I kind of like dropped off. really wasn't enjoying it. With how big Walking Dead got, it kind of ruined zombies for me for a while. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has the same feeling.
4: I personally was a huge, huge fan when it first started. I think I watched up to, I honestly don't even remember, I want to say season four or five, I think. And then it just kind of started to get really just, I don't know. I like the drama sometimes, but it just became too dramatic and less about the horror aspect. And then that's where it kind of lost me for a while. However, also another thing that kind of like put the nail in the coffin was the fact that Halloween Horror Nights did Walking Dead for so many years as well. (laughs) So that kind of just threw us off too. So. I mean, I was a big fan at first, but now I'm just kind of like waiting for it to end. Uh, I think it's about time. It's it's overdue, I think, personally.
3: Yeah, that's what I'd to say, too. I think this should have been done a while back.
2: <laughs> I mean, like, for me, I I watched—do uh, you guys care about spoilers? Are you guys going to come back to any of this? <laughs> a walking dead (laughs) it's fine Uh, so like no okay so I'm probably gonna catch up now that I know it's probably gonna um be over um I was invested I like Dorman Reedus from Boondock Saints days so I came on and I met him like right when this first started where nobody was standing at his line because nobody cared who he was and I really enjoy him I enjoyed like Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan um I'm really big on the comic So for me, when Carl had the unfortunate death and it was completely changing a lot of what the story was because they loosely were going off the comic, it just became so fan service. They just wanted to push what everybody like. Like it just didn't make any sense anymore. And even the draw for Negan for me, even though he's an amazing actor, Jeffrey D. Morgan, it wasn't enough for me. So I think I stopped when Jesus died. The guy that plays in that one show, uh, Prodigal Son. Yeah, he he's a really good actor and I just haven't gone back to it. But I probably will because I kind of liked it. Then, like you guys said, there's not enough horror in it anymore. Um, And it just wasn't the threat. Like, it just feels like they should have had their stuff together by now. In the yeah. series, like everybody should just had it together after, you know, the arcs when it comes to like how the virus started, how the virus transfers. Everybody has the virus. Technically, I don't know. It just wasn't written to a way that it kept the audience wanting more and too many spinoffs.
1: I don't like zombies, so <laughs> I, I never got into Walking Dead. The, my favorite zombie stuff was Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland. So, yeah, yeah, I never got I never got into Walking Dead. I never I, I just didn't. It wasn't for me.
3: Yeah, that's how it's been. It seems like, like some people are like obsessed with zombies and watch anything to do with zombies. Any kind of B-horror movie with zombies, they watch it and some people just kind of avoid it.
0: Just a quick editor's note here, as our local Walking Dead enthusiast, I would just like to say that season 9 and 10 of the show are amazing and you need to go out of your way to watch them. Angela King has brought back all the horror elements that have been diluted previously. She's really done a great job with the show, and the entire Whisper arc has been phenomenal. And I'm excited to see what they do with the remaining episodes. Just give it a shot. What could it hurt? Now, back to the podcast.
3: Next topic. Friday the 13th, the original 1981 movie, it's been newly remastered and it is going to be re-released in select theaters in October. And my fingers are crossed that it's going to be near me.
2: I will keep them crossed for you <laughs> so you can see it and enjoy it. I don't trust my area to go to the movies yet. <laughs> but if I did and everything was going good, I would love to see this in theaters. So, yeah, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't
4: know if I'll go either yet. I'm um, you know, I'm the, oh God, I'm so upset that the movie theaters are open, but I just yeah. know it's smart not to go right now. Like, God. it's it's taking everything inside of me not to go because I have been waiting for them to reopen, but
3: I just, I'm trying to play it smart. <laughs> the one here, I know that they require mask and they space everyone out. So like, I would personally feel okay going to like an early movie, especially if there's not many people on like a matinee showing. and that's just me i know everyone else feels different though
2: yeah i already made a like conscious decision i didn't see bill and ted three in theaters i yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna go oh that was my movie to year so i'm like if i didn't see that i, I can't do it <laughs> i just can't do I it
3: i still need to watch that i know it's on video on demand i thought about getting it here soon i've heard nothing but great reviews on that one it's so damn good that's all I'm I, gonna say.
1: <laughs> I can't wait to see i love jason and friday the 13th so i can't wait to see it
3: Except for Jason's on in this one, Pamela <laughs> boardies. and maybe if Casey would have known that she you would failed. Live. You failed, Jr. You're gonna die too now.
1: <laughs>
4: I, <laughs> I think he was I, trolling I, us.
1: I, as, soon, as soon as Kyle said Friday the 13th, I was throw. I had to throw that out there. I, uh, you know, that's great that I love movies during bastard because, as I told you guys, just as as we get into to scream. I have like the original D V D copy that came out like fifteen years ago when or actually I think twenty years now when um you know when they released when they start releasing VHS onto DVD.
2: Yeah. And literally
1: like I have it's not remastered and my it's literally like you take like a twenty-two inch screen and you put that on my 65 inch 4k television it looks <laughs> horrible so i'm all for remastering classics and uh on the movie theater part i mean there's no movie theaters open anywhere in my city and honestly and i i'm gonna be a straight heel on this which you know which the wrestling term for a villain yeah. I hope movie theaters don't open up ever again because I hate movie theaters. Nobody has <laughs> nobody has movie theater etiquette anymore. Whoa. All these people all these people are talking and like you know, I had somebody answer a cell phone during a movie one time and it's just I'm I'm all about cinema and at home, so talking. Just give me my movies at home.
2: That's all tell I tell us how you it's really feel. Jam. I know. Damn. Holy hell! Like, you just honestly,
1: took my heart, heart. squeezed it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not. I mean, obviously, it's not like it's not everybody. You know, it's not 100. But man, dude, people like talking to movie theater Like when the last time I saw um the last Avengers of um, End somebody was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" And then had somebody answer a phone. Who answered a phone call during a movie?
2: Yeah, I, was, I actually had a comment about Endgame Somebody had something like to say right at that moment. That moment that I'm speaking about, that sad, heartbreaking moment, they're like, "Oh hell no!" And I'm like, "Seriously? It was supposed to be quiet. I'm, you're supposed to you're I'm supposed to soak that girls in."
1: Pictures during the movie, <laughs> w- during the movie one time, taking pictures. I'm like, "I'm gonna seriously just smack shit out of you. Do what your parents, <laughs> parents should have taught to you years ago." So yes, I can't like for me going to a movie, it has to be the ultimate movie of the year. So, like last year, the only movie that I saw in theater was Endgame and the last star wars and the only movie that i think i don't even know i don't think i saw any movie in the theater this year before everything shut down and the only movie i would have saw was going to be halloween kills
3: well it sounds like jr does not have very good theater going experiences not since cell phones became a thing <laughs> Well, anyway, what's interesting is that our last bit of news topics is all related to Scream. That was just a perfect week for it. So finally, we got the news that pretty much everybody knew was going to happen. But we've just been waiting for them to announce it. They've been holding off. Uh, Neve Campbell has officially been announced to return for Scream 5, which is awesome. I mean, you can't have Scream without Sydney.
4: Oh, my God. I was so excited. I mean, it was very inevitable, but I was still very excited
3: the other day. Also, Marley Shelton, who played Deputy Judy Hicks in Scream Four, has been announced to return to Scream Five as well.
2: I liked her character, except that like in real life I would have shot her myself. <laughs> I was like, God girl, seriously? Are you gonna carry the book by you the whole time when you're on like patrol? <laughs> like she was so <laughs> such a stickler. But I loved it though. She was in character the whole movie. I think she was
1: one of the few bright spots in Scream Four. Oh well. Wow. Her and, See, her and Kirby.
3: See, Jr. hates Screen Four. Ugh, he, I know. He's the worst one, and it, we have to argue all the time about how it's the second best one in the franchise.
4: Right? <laughs> because it just it, this is why to me it does so many nods to the first one, and, and it, exactly it kind, of, it kind of almost it kind of almost replays the first one, but with different
3: character. You know what I mean? So it's exactly it pays so much homage to the original.
1: That whole fucking beginning and ending ruined the movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> I waited my I waited like oh, like a decade to watch that damn film and I, let me say this real quick. I at the time when it came out in 2011, which is 11 by 11 years after the Scream Three. I was in I was in the state capital of California to meet with legislators. It was a four-day trip I had to do with leadership, and I was in college at the time. I told everybody, screw you. I'm going to the fucking movies to go watch Scream 4 because I've been waiting it over a decade. I'll give a damn what you said. Now I was the leader at the time, so they couldn't tell me shit. I go to the movie theater, that whole beginning sequence of flashing through all the stab movies, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? I was not <laughs> a happy camper. <laughs> oh, my God. so yes, it is one of my triggers. That Halloween, Scream four and Halloween three are like my two biggest triggers in horror. (laughs) I
2: still need to see Halloween three. I don't think I've ever watched it. See it. See it. But don't even say that. It's like, don't even think that it has anything to do with Halloween three. Just put it on and think that it's like a, like a Halloween movie. And then you'll totally enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. They could have just
4: dropped the Halloween three and just kept season of the witch. And I think it would have been, yes,
3: yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah, it works so much better as a, a standalone cult film. So moving on, uh, I may butcher some of these names. Uh, Mason Gooding, Dylan Minnette, Jasmine Savoy, Kyle Gallner, and Mikey Madison have all been casted in Scream 5 as well. I don't know if anyone is familiar with any of them. I know Dylan Minnette, he was on a Netflix original movie.
4: He's uh, from uh, the show 13 Reasons Why. yeah. Yeah. Oh, there was a movie too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know what movie you're talking about. Um, yeah. Open house is it,
3: it may be. Yeah. I think that sounds familiar.
4: Yeah. It was like him and his mom moved into a house. Yeah. I did watch
2: no, that. Yeah. yeah. I have to look them up, but I'm excited to see if they're, I mean, they're new people to the cast. Yeah. And as long as it's written well, I know we're a little worried. We were talking about this in the last episode about what they're doing with the story. If it's a reboot or a re you know, a redo of the original. Um, yeah. but, uh, I'm still looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, I just, um the whole Dave Arquette movie that, we, that I was talking to you guys about, like, I just, I yeah. really want to see him on film. I just, I have a newfound love for this guy. And oh, yeah. so I'm looking forward to Stream 5 on a whole different level.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's weird. Like, some people keep saying relaunch, but I thought it was a sequel. And it, it seems like it's going to be a sequel to Four because, I mean, people from Four are returning.
4: They could be doing that meta thing they did in Four as well. Because what I'm thinking is, yes, they put out this big cast, but, like, it could possibly be very short-lived as well. Like, they did in 4, where they kept doing the fucking stab movies. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious if that's going to be a thing, and, like, there's actually going to be more, like, cast coming in the future. Yeah. However, you know, if our little theories about, like, Stu and Randy and possibly Kirby and all them, I kind of hope that they don't put them on IMDb or anything, because yeah. you never know.
3: Yeah, especially.
1: I I swear to God, if they fucking do like a a Scream 4 beginning and Scream 5, I'm going to call Blumhouse Pictures myself and be like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) They will get me so triggered if they do that shit. I think what they may be doing, and they keep calling it a a reboot, is because didn't it switch from like Dimension? films to blumhouse so i think that when they mean reboot it's like we're not thinking of the same reboot as like let's say for instance like halloween 2018 was somewhat of a reboot yeah um, because it completely negates two through resurrection and rob zombie so i think it's when they mean reboot maybe we're picking up but maybe going in a different direction than what originally what it originally entitled like five and the the sequel to five and six when Red, when the late Russ Craven was alive, that's my that's my assumption is because since it's like in a different studio, they may be taking it into a different direction than originally entailed. Yeah, where's makes- my coffee? I'm too damn triggered right now.
3: This is gonna be a fun episode with JR. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, well, what CeCe was saying, Matthew Lillard has been like he keeps repeating that he doesn't think Stu died in Scream One, so it, it makes me think that he's doing it as a tease that they are bringing Stu back i hope that if they do bring Stu back matthew Lillard does not get announced it doesn't get put on imdb or anything and i hope it's just a complete surprise in the movie for him to be in it i gonna say shout out
1: to dead and santa carla because i started listening to those guys and i listened to a stream episode and they kept calling matthew lillard i'm matthew like oh dead man. the whole time so, <laughs> wasn't that, to was
4: that too and then uh Silver Screen was doing it, too, because to mess with them or something like that. So I was yeah. just fucking dying over that. Oh, you know what's funny? Actually, I wanted to bring up. So uh, Kyle Gallner, I think his name is. What was his name?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Gallner. Yeah.
4: But I'm pretty sure Make Every Death Count when they were doing their recast, of the Scream. I'm pretty sure they picked him to play Billy or some, somebody did. I swear. Which is uh, kind of funny.
3: Yeah. Now I'm going to be in the new movie. <laughs> Yeah, that does sound familiar. I can't remember who, who who it was who did that. But yeah, I think that that was who it was.
4: Yeah, so I thought that was interesting.
3: <laughs> hmm. Well, that wraps up all the news for today. I didn't see anything big from last night or, or before we started recording that's came out yet. So we'll get into it. So today we're reviewing Scream, one of my all-time favorite movies. And in my opinion, it's as close to perfect as you can get in a horror movie. So this movie was written by Kevin Williamson and was directed by Wes Craven. It released December 18th, 1996 in Los Angeles. It had a budget of $15 million and it made $173 million at the box office. It currently holds a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, and an 8.8 out of 10 on Metacritic. Before we get into the review, just some little trivia beforehand. Kevin Williamson got inspired for Scream after he was at home one night watching a true crime documentary on the Gainesville Ripper. And the original name that he had for the screenplay was Scary Movie, which is funny because the spoof is called Scary Movie. There's quite a few times where like, I'll be watching Scream and I'll instantly think of the spoof part of scary movie of that scene and i'll just lose it
2: (laughs) yeah that's a that's a problem i have going back to these movies yeah because i haven't seen the first i only saw the first and second movie to be honest i had to go back and watch all four movies i did that this whole past week and um i remember the first second movies kind of sort of but i remember the scary movies very vividly (laughs) yeah so going back i'm like oh this part You know, like I was like, God. But um, no, I think what you were saying was true that this is one of I think one of the best horror movies because it holds up very well. The first one.
3: Every time the scene where Sydney's dad tries to go in a room and she has him shut in and won't let him in and he's telling her that, you know, he's leaving and that he left money and stuff. All I think of is Scary Movie. My dad saying that if the cops come to hide all of his drugs, <laughs> just, I just lose it every time I watch that scene.
1: Yeah, and another thing is with the original title, you said that the working title was Scary Movie. Yeah. The, one of the, main, the reasons why the parody is, is called Scary Movie is because they both were distributed by Dimension Films at the time. And yeah. the Scary Movie came out four years after the original screen. But this movie does hold up so well because it's really, at the end of the at the end of the day it's a vengeance film it's a revenge film i should say not vengeance is a revenge it's a revenge slasher storyline yeah and very very well done another thing when you this is just when you look at the whole original trilogy 1 through 3 scream the first one was released in 96 right Kyle
3: yeah 96
1: and then the second one was released in 97 and the third one was released in 2000 if, as we go through this film, you will see that there is a lot of gore in scream one and scream two kind of dips off quite a bit. But when you go to scream three, there's very little. And the reason that this is a very interesting trilogy in my opinion, because this was done a few years before the the tragic uh, mass shooting at Columbine High School. And yeah. Scream three was released the year after Columbine and as we say, you know, a lot of people think that Scream was like really gave a a reinvigoration to the slasher film, but after Columbine there was a huge push to tone down violence in all forms of entertainment. And yeah. so you would see for a while in all forms of entertainment And I don't know exactly what would be the right year. I really, it would be sometime before, in my opinion, before the first Saw movie. But just a lot of horror films, you would see just a huge drop off in the amount of gore, and the death scenes are not as bloody or as elaborate as you would see in previous ones. And I think also when you look at this film, another one that was released around the same time was like H2O, and some of those deaths were like extremely gory. But again, that was, you know, as they tone down deaths for a minute after because of the you know they're trying to limit the violence so i just thought that was interesting that was you know interesting as you see kind of the, the like this was before you know the a tragic uh tragic mass shooting and then after columbine how scream 3 was done and yeah um, so that's i just wanted to throw that out there
3: yeah so Wes Craven uh, initially turned down the role of directing this movie because at this time he was known for Nightmare on Elm Street. He didn't want to be known as just the horror movie guy. He wanted to kind of branch out. And once Drew Barrymore signed on to be on the movie, he became a little bit more interested in, in it, but he wasn't quite there yet. And it wasn't until he had an, an interaction with a kid. A kid ended up walking up to him and told him that he was becoming soft. And that's when he finally decided to accept Correct in the movie. Wow. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's messed up.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You, a kid tells you that, that you're soft and, you know, you, you directed
2: Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> I would have just, like, reevaluated my whole life at that moment. <laughs> like, sat down, had to, like, go get a the therapist, be like, where did I go wrong? Who's the parents of this child? Because they're probably even 10 times worse. That was just a
3: little trivia before we get in. So without further ado, let's talk about Scream. Hello. Hello.
0: Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so.
2: What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn?
3: Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video.
2: Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie.
0: You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name.
2: Why do you want to know my name?
0: I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game.
2: It all began with a scream over 911.
0: Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far like scary movies what's the point they're all the same some stupid killer stalking some
2: big breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs and she should be going out the front door it's insulting
0: there are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie he didn't make the rules police are always off track if they watch palm night they'd save time he just kills by them don't answer the phone
3: Try to hide. Scream. All right, so the movie opens up with Casey Becker, who is played by Drew Barrymore, and she's home alone, and her phone rings. She answers the phone, and the guy on the phone says he must have dialed the wrong number, and he ends up hanging up. Soon after, he calls again, and he said that he wanted to apologize for dialing the wrong number. And and she she tells him he didn't have to call to apologize and everything, and so they, they end up hanging up. And then a little bit later, uh, he calls again, and he asks her, what's she doing? Because yeah, you can hear her, she's making popcorn. He starts kind of flirting with her and asking her about her boyfriend and stuff, and she says she doesn't have a boyfriend. And she starts playing along with him, and then he ends up.
1: On. What happens is um, he's asking her questions and he he keeps asking what's her name. Yeah. And then um, Casey asks why do you want to know my name? He says I want to know who, who I'm looking at. Yes. And then she says you know what did you say? He goes, I want to know who I'm talking to. And then that's where they uh you know start having like their arguing back and forth and she hangs up on him. He calls back and she says I'm gonna hang up on you and says if you do it I'm gonna gut you like a fish. I'm pretty positive that's the line. <laughs> oh that is the line i love that line
3: <laughs> yep
1: and then from there that's where they get to um she tells him about her you know having a boyfriend and he's he plays football and big and bad and he's gonna kick his ass and then she turns on the porch lights and we see her boyfriend tied up and bound and gagged on a chair near her swimming pool And then it's time to play poor, the game
4: poor old steve sitting there
3: <laughs> poor old steve And after this, he takes over and he he tells her that she has to answer uh, horror movie trivia. He he starts off with one that she already knew the answer to. He asks her who is the killer in Halloween, and she answers correctly and says Michael Myers. Well, then, feeling confident, she ends up screwing up when he asks her who the killer in Friday 13th is. And she says, Jason Voorhees, which, you know, is wrong. It's family of Voorhees. So he says that no, that, that was the wrong answer, but she can earn a bonus question to save her life. But unfortunately, that was the end for Steve. And she ends up walking over to the patio and turns the lights on. And you see Steve get disemboweled. This is a very like underrated kill. I think this is a kill that's often very overlooked in the movie. It doesn't really get talked about as much.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. And I think the main reason is because when you see his death or you know his body, it's through a window. So you really don't see how bloody it is. You just see like say the equivalent of like a, a stained shirt, but he's completely disemboweled, and I think in one of the cuts, you actually see like his intestines hanging out. And yeah. I know that was one you know at the time things are have progressed. You know now that we're almost twenty five years after Scream was released, the bar is is higher now as far as the threshold of what you can allow on not just movies but in TV. But at the time, this is a very, very, very gruesome death, both his death and then eventually, you know, as we get into um, the second death, you know, these were two very, very gruesome ways to open this film.
2: I also like the psychology of it because, I mean, the guy was taped there and on the chair for like a minute, you know, like he was out there. And he had to get kidnapped and he had to get, you know, strapped down. So like the idea that he knew this person was going to call the house, he was going to watch the lights turn off and on. He was going to see her, you know, through what was going on in real time. It was, that's actually like frightening. So like when yeah. the first time I went back and I saw it, I was like, man, this guy, he's there. He's there before it even takes place. He's already hurt. You know, we don't know how long he's been sitting there. And I I, I actually felt for him in that way, because, yeah, when I saw it, I was like, man, is that his intestines? I had to go back for a second. I was like, man, that's actually pretty gruesome. And I remember seeing that the first time I saw it around as yeah. a kid. So I, I kind of like played off the movies a little bit. I didn't think the screen, the mask or anything actually like called to me as being that, you know, horrifying. But seeing it now, I'm like that that scene, I really, really liked it because the psychology of it's actually pretty. It was pretty psycho <laughs> for the guy that's actually doing it.
3: Yeah, and what's interesting, too, is when you think about it, because according to all the, the theories, is that this was Billy, because uh, Stu was with Tatum this entire night, so that she yeah. did suspicion thrown on him, so this was all done by Billy. So after that, the caller promises Casey uh, another round, but she refuses to answer the question, and a chair comes smashing through the window, and Casey runs out of the house, and she, uh, I believe she... she he has a knife, doesn't she?
1: Yeah. She grabbed a kitchen butcher knife. Yeah, yeah. And this was this was after because the the bonus question was what door what door am I at? Yeah. And
3: then the
1: uh, she grabs a knife and then he throws a character one leg front door. Yeah. And then the cat and mouse
3: case. I end up going back and forth. Uh, she's hiding outside, looking through the window. She sees them, and then she's staying hiding. And then she sees her parents driving up the driveway. I wonder if she would have been safer staying in that little area where she was at, where she was hiding behind, where she was hiding at the house and she had a good look at the window. If she would have stayed there and waited for her parents to get to the driveway, I wonder if she would have survived.
4: Yeah, or she just like, she didn't keep running at one point. She kind of like kept looking back. Like yeah. if she maybe kept
3: running, she might have been okay. Her parents are coming up the driveway and she sees them up getting closer, so she makes a run for it. The killer comes busting through a window. And chases after her and he ends up grabbing her. Uh, he puts his hand over her mouth, and he, he stabs her in the he stabs her in the chest. So now, hair on the ground, and he's attempting to strangle her while she's trying to call her uh, her parents. He ends up hitting him with the phone. I believe it's this scene. Th- this was actually Wes Craven under a This is the only time he's ever put on the costume, but he, he was the one that she hit with the phone. I thought that oh my was
4: god! Funny. I didn't know that.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure like why he wanted to do this scene, but yeah, according to all the research I've done on it, he donned the mask for this scene and got hit with the phone by Casey.
1: Yeah, she ends up actually getting away from the killer, and she yeah. tries to scream for her parents, but because of her being strangled, which I can only assume that they're trying to say that she, um, like her, you know, her vocal cords and her voice box was somehow. I don't want to say crush but they were she basically had the equivalent of a, a sore throat or something like that and she was also screaming for a whole period of time which also could help lose her voice
3: yeah
1: and that's when the killer attacks her from behind and ends up not getting on top of her and their parents you know her parents are trying to see what's going on in the popcorn which real quick this i was fascinated with this popcorn <laughs> growing up so this is the type of popcorn that's made like an aluminum tin container that you put on top of your stove. And as it as it gets hot, the top of it starts, you know, bubbling up. I have no idea why. But after every time I see this movie, I want to go to the damn store and buy this type of popcorn.
2: <laughs> every I
3: time think it's the coolest shit ever. Every time this movie cut to show the popcorn, all I thought was a scary movie of that, like, outrageous popcorn. So like after the the killer has her on the ground and he's stabbing her. She ends up like actually like pulling his mask off, and like if you look at her face, you can tell that she knows who it is. This is someone that she knows, and her parents are looking for her inside the house, and they end up grabbing the phone, and she can hear her being killed over the phone. And I thought this this is like one of the most haunting scenes to me, like just the way it's all set up, like the way that they have her her dragon. You can hear her on the phone like slowly dying. And then uh, I've looked for it everywhere. That tune that they have playing in the background while all this is happening, it just adds to it.
4: Oh, yeah. Like this is probably my favorite death. Besides, we can talk about it later. But yeah, this is very gruesome, especially the way she ends up in the
3: end there. So like after her, her mom says she can hear her on the phone, the dad tells her to get in the car and drive to the neighbors and call the police. Cause, cause you can't, cause oh, they she, cut the
4: line. On. she can hear her on the, on the line. Oh no, yeah. She was on the phone. Sorry.
1: Yeah. I
3: thought they cut yeah. the line. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's
1: right. As soon as he, you know, she, the dad pushes the mom out the door, then she hears, you know, scream and, and you see Casey hanging from the tree, which, you know, I know that it's either Billy or as we, I mean, I'm hoping you see the film before you see this review, but Billy or Stu's the killer, but it's really time. Like, you you know, that's a lot of work for one person to <laughs> to capture the boyfriend. Who the boyfriend, if you really just look at him sitting down, is bigger than Billy. That's what
2: I was <laughs> saying. It's
1: <Yeah. laughs> a lot of work. And the other part of that is, and I know you said, like, we say it's Billy. Because Stu, you know, as we get to the school scene, Stu's, uh, Stu's with Tatum. But yeah. they don't say, like, how long they're with each the, other. So, I mean, I'll Stu s- and Billy student could have been there to capture the boyfriend but yeah also having to lift um, lift and hang a body you know you know it is a, a smaller woman's body and treat like that and as quickly as it's done I, know, I mean it could have been both people there doing it
3: yeah because like later on like Stu says that he was with tatum the whole night but we don't know if he may have dipped out at some point in order to help billy but we're just going to assume it's all billy right now
1: And when you look at these two deaths, these are like, I mean, this really sets the tone in this reinvigoration of not just this film, but all of in horror for about four years. I mean, these are by far the two most gruesome murders in a horror film, you know, especially in the first, what, 15 minutes.
3: So when this movie came out, Drew Barrymore was the biggest name in this movie. And people automatically assumed that she was going to be the final girl. And she gets killed in the first 10 minutes of the movie. And so this just pretty much sets up the rest of the movie for that nobody is safe. What's interesting is that uh, Drew Barrymore was actually originally supposed to play Sydney, But after reading the script, she felt that she resonated more with Casey. And she liked the idea of her character being killed off in the first bit of the film when everyone expected her to be the one to survive. Also, this entire opening sequence, this was the first bit filmed for the movie. They were trying to get more money from the producers, and so they wanted to show them what they could do with what they have so that they could be persuaded to give them more money to be able to do more with. So they filmed this sequence first and sent it off to the producers, and they all loved it and you know, uh, pretty much gave them the money that, that they needed for the rest of it. After it shows Casey hanging from the tree, it cuts to the logo, and then we go to Sydney, who is played by Neve Campbell, and she's in her room. Her boyfriend Billy who's played by Skeet Ulrich he ends up coming through the window to talk to her they get interrupted when Sydney's uh, dad uh, starts knocking on the door so Billy has to hide and she goes and opens the door and he tells her that he's leaving for the weekend to a convention I believe he's gonna be gone until Sunday so he ends up leaving and then billy jumps out and he he starts talking to sydney and he says one of the lamest lines i've ever heard in my life he said that they started out hot and heavy that they were a solid r rating headed toward an nc17
4: because the follow-up to the slide to me is cringier. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Her
4: mind, yeah. I,
3: yeah. I can't. <laughs> when he said that, I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> this movie's trying to be too meta. <laughs> so anyway, so he says that and him and Sydney start making out. Bailey's wanting to have sex. She isn't ready, so he ends up leaving. But before he leaves, he tells her that he's not meaning to be pushy about any of that. And then, as Cece said, they say one of the cringiest lines ever. Sydney walks over to the window and tells him if if he'll settle for a PG-13 rating. And he says, what's PG-13? And she ends up flashing him. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) Oh, God. Then we get to the next scene, we cut to the school, and everybody's walking in, and they're all talking about the uh, death of Casey. J.R., have you got it?
1: You see that there's a lot of reporters, and they start talking about what happened, and they're, they're interviewing the students. And they start pulling the students out one by one, and interviewing the principal's office. This is when we first introduced to deputy, Dewey Riley, and the sheriff. We see Fonzie is the principal, <laughs> and so as they kind of they already know what happened, and you know Casey was killed, as well as her boyfriend Nev Campbell's character, Sergeant Prescott is pulled out, and they this is when they first tell us about that this is Marine Prescott's daughter who was murdered a uh, previous year, and I actually have a problem with this scene, and I'll tell you why. As they bring Nev Campbell in, the principal shows that he's obviously has a lot of he's very supportive and loves the students but he does this thing where he 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 tries to talk to nev let her know like it's just a few questions and he puts his hand underneath her chin to like be like it's oh like it's gonna be okay and i'm like dude you never touch a student let alone yeah. that way that yeah. is such like a very like cringe worthy thing like for me to see and so i'm just like what are you doing man like you don't that's not how you don't do that to to, to students this is weird and so they ask a few questions about if she knew casey from there they fast track to where we see billy sydney randy tatum and Stu. are like they're it looks like they're near a fountain yeah and they're talking about like what do they you know what they asked you and then they this is when they had discussion where the, they asked them The men, if they if they hunt, you know, they start talking about like, how do you gut somebody? And they have a lot of like back and forth between especially the guys. They have a lot of back and forth between Stu, Randy and and Billy.
2: I have a whole problem with this whole student body or maybe everybody in this town except for like Sydney and Dewey, (laughs) because (laughs) there's like no empathy from anybody like, and you know, I've, when I, in my high school, yeah, to south, you know, side of Chicago, unfortunately, we had a couple of students that did pass in high school for various reasons. And it always ended up being like a half day. Teachers were impacted. The students were impacted. Like nobody cares in this movie. And I'm like, of course this is why this town was picked. All oh, y'all yeah, people have issues when it comes to actually like caring about each other. Because I don't know. It just, it, it struck me like the beginning of the movie. I'm just like, wow. Yeah, I would have picked this town, too, if I was the
3: bad guy. They're making jokes back and forth. It doesn't seem like there really is anybody that's too hung up over Casey's death at all. (laughs) So after the uh, police investigation, Sydney is at home and uh, she's waiting for her friend Tatum to come over and she falls asleep on the couch and she ends up receiving a phone call from the killer. He's talking to her about horror movies, and she says that she doesn't like horror movies because it always ends up being some big boob bimbo running up the stairs when she should have ran out the front door. And afterwards, she hangs up, and she gets attacked by a killer who comes through the door. And instead of doing you know what she just said she would do, she ran up the stairs.
4: Oh, yeah. This is like a trope now. She she pretty yeah. much does this
3: all the time. <laughs> <laughs> She runs up the stairs and goes into a room, and she shuts the door and she shuts her closet door to try and block the killer from coming in. And then she runs to her computer and she dials nine one one on her computer, uh, which was very odd to see. Uh, I forgot that that was a thing that you could do. Before she can get a hold of nine one one, the killer ends up disappearing, and all of a sudden, boom! Billy Loomis shows up. He ends up dropping a cell phone, and so Sydney automatically starts suspecting him. Of making the call and she ends up running down the stairs and opens the door and she runs into Dewey who's holding the ghost face mask and uh, Billy ends up getting arrested and she ends up spending the night at Tatum's house. While she's there, she receives another call from the killer. So they kind of drop suspicion on Billy then because how could he make a call to her if he was in jail? The next day, Billy is released and now... The police have started to suspect Sydney's father, Neil Prescott. Do you know how awesome it was being a fan of this movie and this whole series growing up and everybody being fans of this and having the last name of Prescott? This is my claim to fame.
4: <laughs> yeah, you should, like, I don't know, change your name to, like, Sydney or something on Twitter.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was awesome, but... Sydney's father, Neil Prescott, is now the suspect because the cops have traced the calls to his phone and he's conveniently missing, so they all think it's Neil now. Afterwards we go back to school and there are some students running around in ghost face costumes trying to scare Sydney. Sydney ends up going to a bathroom. This scene really irritates me because of everything that have to go into this. Uh, Sydney ends up going to the bathroom and she's in a stall and she can hear these two girls talking trash about her and, and her mom. After, after they leave, we see, I'm assuming this is the killer. It's never been confirmed or not. Some people, there's theories that it could just been someone messing with her. Reveals, uh jumps down from a toilet and comes out of the stall and ends up trying to attack her and she runs out. What I have a problem with is how the hell did the killer know he, she was going to go to that bathroom? How long was he there waiting for? And from what I could tell, there was no way of escaping. Why didn't she run out and yell the killer's here and they shut him in the bathroom and then he's screwed?
2: I have no idea. (laughs) Suspension suspension of disbelief.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, Kevin Williamson wanted this scene taken out of the movie because it made no sense. But Wes Craven pushed for it because the girl's talking about Sydney and her mom. It gives you backstory on that and how she feels about that. But if they wanted to do that, they could have just cut to after they leave the bathroom. They could have cut that and went to a different scene. So like this whole that whole scene makes no sense whatsoever to me.
1: So after the threat to Sydney, they decide to shut down the school as well as you know they have a citywide curfew. But before we get to that, that's when they're in school and. Sydney's character asked Tatum and Stu, like, was Stu, was uh, Billy pissed? And they said, because you read him out the Candyman. They said, uh, his heart was broken. Actually, I need to backtrack real quick. They go to the, remember after they capture Billy's there? Yeah. So they, they arrest Billy and then they're in the station and they get the sheriff and Billy, and I'm not sure if it's his father. I'm assuming it's his father. It could be his lawyer. They get into it. I'm assuming it's his father, though. It's his yeah, dad, and, yeah, yeah. And, as it, and his his dad kind of looks very similar to the same dad as we saw in Screen Three, as, as we get some, I'm sure, one sure time in the the back of film. But from that point, they get out of the, they leave the station, and we see, Gail Weathers approaches Sydney and Tatum, and as we know, Gail Weathers is writing a book about the Woodsboro Murders, which was the death of Marie Prescott, Sydney's mom and uh gail se- tells uh sydney that she'll send her a bug and Sydney knocks her out yeah from there mm-hmm. that we get to mm-hmm. their house uh to tatum and dewey's house so this is one to me this is one of the funniest parts where they start talking about talking about it and you know dewey brings ice to sydney for her hand and tatum and dewey's mom comes in so there's a phone call and they say like you have the wrong man because it's the other it's the killer on the phone and so, um, their mom, Dewey and Tana's mom goes to get Dewey, and Dewey comes out and he's in his underwear with his gun. Yes. And he picks up the phone. He's like, "Hello." It's it's like it's it's one of the funniest things to me. I don't know why, but it's just like he just said he was going to take a nap, and I'm assuming like he's on call or something like that. Like why is he? Like, you know, most of people like he at least assume he would have his pants on. Yeah. And so then we that's when we fast track to the school and then they have the whole, you know, it's Billy pissing. Billy and Sydney get into it about like, you know, that his mom left town and Sydney's like, Your mom left town, my mom's not coming back. And then from there, then we see about them counseling school. And we all and the principal is after two kids because two kids were in the hallway screaming with the you know, they had the ghost face masks on. And again, the font is like this is another crazy movie. He's going fucking hard at these kids, like, and he like he has his scissors and he's like cursing them and pointing at them, saying that they should be, you know, that they, you know, he spells them. He's like, they're not. That's not fair, he goes, You're right. You should be like disemboweled and hang from like the goalpost or something like that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, I mean, I've been pissed at kids, but you don't talk to kids that way. <laughs> that part cracks me up, though. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's a very, like, he is. I could, I mean, I've seen teachers, like K through 12 teachers, get pissed and administrators, but damn, this was like a whole nother level. And this <laughs> is one of the other things, as I talked about this, as we get into like the curfew and the school shutdown, and this is one of the things, like, you know, it's for me, you know, as we, as in our current situation as we're in the pandemic, I'm like, how do you shut school 24 hours in 24 hours? It may take us a, over a week to shut down schools and, and put in some sort of curfews, and that's not something that's just done very easily.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess, but I guess, I don't know, it's kind of like a, a big deal, so I guess they would have to try to figure something out quick, you know,
3: Killer on the loose and all that. After this, the principal is putting on the mask and screwing around with the stuff, and somebody ends up running by and knocking on the door. And he opens the door, and there's no one there. So then he shuts the door, and he goes back doing what he's doing, and there's another knock on the door. And he opens it up real fast, and there's no one there. So he ends up investigating, and he doesn't see anybody. And he ends up going back to his office, shut the door, and rising. And this is like, this is like one of my Hold favorite. on.
1: Hold on. What? Hold on. You missed one part. Oh, after the second after the second knock, he leaves his office, goes through the main office, opens up the the main office's door, and he goes, "You little shit." There's a janitor that says, "What you?" <laughs> yeah. and he says, "Not you, Fred."
3: Not you, Fred. It's, yeah,
1: it's best card ever. <laughs> Raven, yeah, Wes Haven dressed as Freddy Krueger. Yep. He calls yep. him Fred. Yep. <laughs> the yep. best. And then he goes back into his office.
3: Yeah, yeah. Then he goes back into his office. And he goes to shut the door and like in one of my favorite scenes ever, he shuts the door and then Ghostface is behind the door. And like the, just like the, the way that like it's hard to explain it. He like comes out of the corner and like you, you just see like his his hands come down and he's got that robe on and everything. And then he, he pulls out the knife and he ends up killing the principal. And, like This is like one of my favorite kills as well. Just the way Ghostface is portrayed in the corner and the way he actually does the attack.
2: Once again, man, so deserving. This guy's an asshole. <laughs> like once again you put on the mask you're mocking you're like oh, oh i'm the killer oh, 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 oh. I, it could be me and it's like really no empathy for anybody or the parents the kid
4: i think it was like a red herring moment for like the people that were making the movie i guess maybe they kind of want to make him
3: like sketchy i don't know so after the principal's killed we cut to the video store
1: real quick though before Stu gets to the video store Stu finds sydney and tatum and tells them that they're throwing a party and there's two parts of this. So they go to the store to get the snacks. And my first question is, like, who the fuck's paying for these snacks? <laughs> they're buying chips. Yes. They're buying popsicles. They're Why buying- are you so mad about everything? <laughs> I don't know. They're like in suburban America. They're probably their parents' credit card or some shit. Yeah. But at the store, this is the first or second time, because there was actually two parts to this. We see Ghost's face in the store. His reflection is in the window of the refrigerator at the store. Oh, that's right. And then the sheriff and Dewey they talk and they basically talking about they finally found the phone records and the phone records belong to Neil Prescott Sydney's dad, and that tomorrow is the one year anniversary of Marine Prescott's murder. And then he says we're gonna set up roadblocks. If we don't find them, we're gonna go door to door. And then he tells Dewey to stay close to uh, Sydney. From there, we also see that they're at I believe it's at um, Sydney's house and they're talking. They're talking about like the situation, and this is another thing. Uh, and you're right, You see about like suburban America, and mm-hmm. and it's actually like when I'm assuming a very high income area because these houses are extremely huge and spread out. And I'm like, because they're playing a uh, school's out forever, and I'm like, you can't be playing that shit like in my neighborhood because you're gonna get the cops called on you if you're playing that that music that <laughs> loud. But there's a there's a uh, they're talking about like the situation. And Tatum and Tatum says this line, and I think it's funny, they're like, What are we in a West Carpenter film? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then from there they leave. And as they leave, we see like it's I don't want to say it's like the woods, but there's like this big tree area on the side of their house, and Ghostface is out there. Mm -hmm. Like you know, in the in this tree foliage area. And then we cut to the video store.
3: Yeah, I overlooked those parts. Uh, At the video store, Stu and Randy are discussing the killer's identity, with Randy openly stating that Billy could be the killer.
4: Play is standing in the horror section.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yes. (laughs) Stu disagrees, and then Randy continues saying that in theory, everybody's a suspect, out loud in a crowded video store. (laughs) And everybody looks.
2: See, that's me, though. See, that's yeah. me when I try to explain, like, the Matrix or, like, the Kingdom Hearts series to people. I looked that crazy. So I felt for this character a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Same. <laughs> and then after that, uh, Billy comes over and he startles Randy before pointing out that Randy could be a killer as well due to his intricate uh, horror film knowledge. Well, damn, we're all suspects here. This is kind of odd behavior, you know, you don't want anybody to suspect you're a killer, but you're acting pretty, pretty serial killer-ish, <laughs> getting some very serial killer vibes from these guys. For sure. But then after the video store incident, everybody is showing up at the party at Stu's. So I don't know if y'all know or not, but uh, this whole this whole last bit of uh, Stu's party and everything, uh, it took 21 days to film.
4: Wow. Well, I mean, I guess because that whole night takes place for such a long time.
3: Yeah, it really does. So, like, everybody's over at Stu's house for the party. And soon after, Dewey and Gail end up showing up, and Tatum asks Dewey, What's she doing here? And Dewey says, She's with me. And he kind of, you know, smirks when he says it. He's smitten. He's in love with her. And yeah. she's been playing them. She's been flirting with them the entire movie. What's funny is like besides David Debbie Arquette locking the role of Dewey, the reason why he wanted to play it because originally he was casted as just one of the kids at the party. Like he wasn't supposed to have a big role, but he really liked. No, him. he was supposed. To, he was supposed to reach for Billy. Oh, was he?
1: Yeah. Like uh, I was watching the behind the scenes, and he was originally he was supposed to, like they, they he was coming in to try out for Billy, and he okay. was just like this okay. isn't he gonna work.
4: Yeah, what I also heard was that like he he pushed for becoming Dewey because everybody always like put him in this goofy role and stuff. But he's like, I could be my goofy role but still be a cop. Like, yeah. So I guess he pushed really hard for that role, and so I'm happy because I'm happy with the with the outcome. (laughs) Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I don't. I think they did they did a great job. But and the other thing, originally they didn't want him to be Dewey because they had envisioned, which I can't even saying like thinking about this i can't even like make sense but they want they they imagine that the deputy would be a bodybuilder like a a big like you know hunky football player type character and i'm like i don't even know how that would even work you know if you put that in there and being like the older brother of tatum and i don't know if he was supposed to be like a superhero like i'm here to save the day or if he was just gonna be like you know another death but that just would not have made sense to me but it, you know, as they bring in, as as they come in, we see that previously, the cameraman for Gail slips her uh, camera and she puts it into the um, underneath the TV. You know, they're filming the inside of the party inside their TV station or the the TV van.
3: Yeah, yeah. And after this, so everybody's at the party. You know, everybody's partying and everything, and they're all sitting around watching a movie. And uh, fun fact, Jr., they're watching Halloween. I'm sure you knew that. sure everybody knew that
1: and they also rented all like jamie they like they rented prom night they rented halloween um i'm trying to think what other movies they rented but it was basically all of like um, uh lori strode all of jamie lee
3: (laughs) Lee, early horror films yeah because randy's a big fan of her because she's the original scream queen according to him
1: yeah and um and during this time tatum goes to get Stu a beer and she goes into the um the garage to get a beer and she, has, she gets a, an encounter with Mr. Ghostman. Man.
3: Yeah. Uh, she thinks it's somebody else who's just playing a trick on her. She thinks and, it's Randy. Yeah, yeah, she thinks it's Randy, and then uh, he ends up cornering her, and then he ends up uh, – this is what I'll get. He slashes her arm. Like if he was trying to kill her, why didn't he just go for the kill? Well,
1: it's the whole cat and mouse thing that's point with her, in my opinion. But this, to me, is the only thing in the film that truly doesn't make sense, this, this whole death scene. And the reason why is because number one, they get into a fight, and she's throwing beer bottles at him. And I can tell you from experience, beer bottles number one don't break like that. And if you get hit in the face with a beer bottle like that, you're going down. And you ain't getting up. Especially <laughs> if it's a, especially if it's an imported beer like a Corona or a Tecate, because that will like legitimately fuck you up. My brother used to be a security guard at a bar. And he got hit in the back of the head and almost, and almost you know, gave him a concussion. Because yeah. those things do not break that easy.
3: She also hit him with the refrigerator door.
4: Maybe it was Stu at this point because
3: oh, maybe that's why Billy he's awkward. Oh, it was Billy? Yes, Billy. Because Stu's still at the party.
4: Oh, duh. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Doesn't
4: he it, walk away at
1: that point? Oh, uh, yeah. That's no, after not he's... yet. No. Um, oh. This is this is like a route. This is right after Gail comes in, but this is also. Um, well, let's finish the scene. So I see. As she's yeah. trying to, as she's trying to get out she goes through like the there's like i've never actually seen this before but there's like a doggy door in the garage yeah. in the garage door mm-hmm. and she tries to fit through there and then he hits the garage door and it starts going up and my assumption is that it breaks her neck yeah it hits the top it, of crushes
3: it. Her, it crushes her neck
1: this was like the only death to me that didn't make sense because a garage yeah. door cannot sustain that kind of weight
3: exactly so like the, That's only, the, one was like the only
1: death i'm just like uh, it's definitely a cool scene and as we see later like she's still hanging from there but it was like the one part where it just was like no but yeah. after she dies mr ghostface go, turns off the light goes back in the house but then and it actually it, not just sec it could actually be stew because stew is at the front door and as people are leaving some people are leaving and she's talking to sydney Mm -hmm. Um, Billy comes to the front door and like kind of scares them and that's when they go up to the you know they said that Sydney says they need to talk with you know her and Billy need to talk and they go up to the parents bedroom
3: all the theories are is that it's Billy because if you pay attention each killer does a different thing Billy likes to play cat and mouse he likes to play games before he kills
4: Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah I did start out with thinking it was Billy actually until today for some reason I don't know why he made me think it was Stu when they said that they cut her a little bit. Maybe he was like hesitant, but yeah. I was thinking it was Billy originally because wouldn't Tatum in some ways recognize her boyfriend's body, exactly style or type? You know what I mean? Something. Exactly. I feel like you would know that. That's you know what I mean. If you know that person that
1: well, I don't know.
3: Then let's see here. They go up.
1: They go up into the bedroom, uh, Sydney and uh, Stu and Billy to talk. Yeah, and they're talking about their relationship and. This, to me, was something that was funny. It shows that they weren't paying attention. They're talking about Halloween. They're like, why is it so red? It's so fake. And I'm like, wait a minute. Time out. This is during the scene in Halloween where he's killing Paul. Yeah. And there is no blood in Halloween. What are you talking about if there's, there's too much blood? There's <laughs> literally no blood in the entire movie Halloween, with the exception of the very beginning where when Michael Myers is six years old and kills his sister. Yeah. But then Randy goes into the... The three rules that you have to abide by—that
3: they all break, by the way.
1: Yes. So they're like breaking it while
4: they're sitting there, basically. Yeah.
1: So they're so, and I feel like then this—it like keeps cutting back. So number one it says no sex, and then we see that Sydney and Billy are having sex. And number two, no drinking and no drugs. It's the wow. sin factor. Party And drinking. they're all drinking. It's, who bought the beer? This is the one. Like, if you could forgive everything, who bought the beer? You know, they probably got their parents to do
4: it
2: or some shit. Yeah, (laughs) dude, all all the parents in that whole town are like at Myrtle Beach, living their bestest lives, and they just left the alcohol in the fridge in the garage, the fridge in the refrigerator that's upstairs. Like, there's beer everywhere. Yeah, all I know
1: is if that was me at that age and I took my dad's beer, I would have got my ass whooped. Yeah. (laughs) Um. And then the last one was don't say I'll be back because you won't be back. So Randy. Stu tells Stu tells uh, Randy goes, do you want to be?" He goes, yeah, he goes, I'll be right back then, be right uh, back <laughs> And then Randy says, like I'll see you in the kitchen with the knife." and then
3: yeah,
1: from there we see that they um everybody leaves because they hear about they get the phone call about the principal yeah about the principal being dead and then everybody leaves so only Randy's the only one inside the, inside the living room watching TV and then Sydney and Billy end up you know they finished their business and another thing happens after that is Dewey gets a phone call about a car being found on the side of the road so they end up uh Gale and Dewey go to go check out the car they find out it's no Prescott's car and then at the same time, after they get after Billy and um, Billy and Sydney and the pat finish their business, Billy gets killed. Killed. Or so or so we think he gets killed yeah. by Mr. Ghostface. So then there's a chase between Mr. Ghostface and Sydney while while Randy's still watching TV in the living yeah. room how, and how did
3: Randy not hear anything? going on well he looks it's he looks drunk as fuck yeah during during these parts of the film i have an issue with like how sydney escapes she runs that other room and then she opens the window she goes out the window she's holding on to the window and then Ghostface comes and he's holding on to her and then falls back how convenient was it for her that that boat was there she would have been dead if it wasn't there
4: yeah i don't know
3: So like, uh, she takes off running toward the news van, and while she's screaming, uh, Ghostface about to kill Randy, and so he ends up walking away. So lucky for Randy, Sydney saved him. Sydney gets to the news van and uh, starts beating on it, and tells uh, Kenny. So he ends up letting her in, and he's looking on the TV, and he sees Ghostface behind Randy, and he's yelling at him that he's behind him, and he opens the door, and he sees the doors open, and he realizes that they're on a thirty second delay. 'Cause of how far away the van is to the house. And he turns around and Ghostface ends up slitting his throat. This is another part that I have a problem with. Sydney like crawls through this like space in the van and then crawls out the back and then Ghostface follows her. Why the hell didn't he just get out of the van and go around to the back and just be sitting there waiting for her to crawl out? I'm
1: just saying I didn't have a problem with this one, so
3: you're helping me prove my case that there's a lot of problems with this film
1: thank you thank you for that kyle i appreciate that
3: (laughs) well it doesn't make any sense because she like crawls to this little small crawl space and then out the back of the van
1: and the only thing i can think of is that as she like lunges he goes after her maybe he thinks he's going to catch her versus you know if he would go around because (laughs) if he's already like dove after her i mean there's no point in like trying to like get up and go around because i don't think he would have made it in my in my estimation
3: yeah Yeah. i could but uh, I just saw this, and I was
2: like, why didn't he just get out of the van and go around? And just be waiting for her?
1: Well, and after this, we continue. During this whole thing, there's, like, a lot of chases. And then eventually, um, Dewey and Gail come back. Dewey tells Gail, get in your car, call the cops. She's looking. She's looking for the for Kenny to give her the cellular. She can't find Kenny. There's blood everywhere. She gets in the van and Randy actually comes out and says, like, hey, and and yo, like, smashes shell with the cell with something. I don't know if it was a cell phone or what, but she smashed shell with I know it is a cell phone because she thought it was 911. And then she tries to take off, and the whole window's covered with blood. And as she takes off, Kenny's body falls over. Dewey goes inside, and then he ends up. Meeting with Sydney, and he has and has a, a knife in his back, and there's still more. Uh, there's still more cat and mouse chases. Sydney goes inside the house after locking it with Randy, saying Stu's the killer. And Stu saying Randy's the killer, and then we see Billy come down the stairs, covered in blood, still alive, and Sydney gives him a gun. Randy comes in the door after Stu opens it. Excuse me. Randy comes aside after Billy opens it, and he says, Stu's gone mad, and Billy says, line, we've all gone a little mad, and shoots Randy.
3: Yeah, we all go a little mad sometimes, Anthony Perkins, Sacco.
1: I know, I love how he, he just, like, has to tell us what it's
4: from, like, we don't know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> talking <It's laughs> about, magic, movie Wait, lines hold on. and say what movie.
1: It's almost, it movie. Young, kids. It's almost young kids. I have no idea what the hell psycho was when I watched
3: this film, okay? <laughs> it's
1: okay, it's how okay. We, I'm just being silly. <laughs> I was yeah. 12. Yeah. Plus, I had no horror family until I met you guys.
3: After Billy shoots Randy, Sydney then realizes that Billy's the killer, and then she turns around and runs and runs into Stu, and she's trying to get Stu to help her, and Stu pulls out a voice changer and says, surprise, Sydney!" Boom, reveal he's also the killer.
1: Two things about this part. Number
3: one, um,
1: uh, Billy also said, licks his fingers and says quartz yeah. are the same thing they use for pig's blood and carry. Yeah. Number two, that fucking voice changer i spent my entire life finding that damn voice changer until I, until I found out some years later that it was actually an actor's voice yep scream owes me like a hundred dollars in voice changers just so dimension <laughs> films I don't at
3: least it's not the one from scream 3 yet okay oh fuck that that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Wait till we get to that because I will
1: completely say why that makes sense.
3: <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, they reveal that they're the killers, that they go into the kitchen and.
4: Aren't they starting to reveal like, what
1: they did? Yeah. yeah. This is like the big reveal. Sydney says, You're not going to get away with this. And Billy says, Tell that to Con Weary, who, as we found out earlier, Con Weary was the one that Sydney said that killed her mom. And then we find out, oh shit, that it was both Billy and Stu. That killed Sydney's mom, Marine Prescott. And then they start explaining everything about how Sydney's mom, Marine, had slept with Billy's dad and broke up the family relationship. And he tells her, like, you know, we did your mom a favor. She was a slubbag whore and flashed shit around like she was Sharon Stone.
3: Yep. And then Stu says, she's no Sharon Stone.
1: I love
4: how he says it, though. Yeah. <laughs> She's no Sharon Stowe and he's like
3: <laughs> he cracks me up. After this, Stu says that they have another surprise for her and they reveal they've abducted Sydney's father, Neil Prescott. They ended up cloning his cell phone so that all calls be traced to his cell phone and their plan is to frame him for the murders and have them commit suicide and say that he did it all because it was the one year anniversary of his wife's death and he couldn't take it after this Stu and billy take turns stabbing each other in non-vital places to make it seem like they were victims
1: so there's there's a funny part of this while I was watching behind the scenes so as they're stabbing each other as we see like more so Stu than billy but yeah. this is a very bloody scene and during the filming of the movie kevin williamson the writer Ghost west cravens he's like man that's really bloody like can we tone that down and Wes Craven tells Kevin, here's the here's the script. It says the killers stab each other over and over again in a bloody scene. And he goes to Kevin Williams and says, so how do you expect me to tone this down? <laughs> and Kevin is like, OK, I know my place. Let me just leave.
2: Dude, I just like the way you said it. Like, I know my place. I'm just going to leave. It's <laughs> like, like did he really say that in real time? <laughs> like, that is so sad. Like, you know, excuse me, sir. I should have yeah. opened my mouth, but now this whole scene was just great. I, I, Stu, for me, this whole scene was just just great. From his crying yeah. to his like, grabbing, he hit me, and it hurts that. I don't feel so good. Like it just, it's hilarious. I just love yeah. the way he sounds. I'm he overacts, I love woozy, a little woozy. <laughs>
3: After Billy and Stu stab each other, and Billy ends up stabbing Stu a lot more times, and Stu ends up beginning to bleed profusely, Gail Weathers shows up. Uh, She's not dead, actually. And so she appears, and she has a gun, and she's distracting them. And Billy uh, knows that the safety of the gun is on, which, okay, how the hell does he know that she didn't turn the safety off? He took a big chance there on that one. He lunges towards her and pushes her back and knocks her out. And then he goes to put a gun on her head and he goes to shoot her. And then Stu turns around and makes him aware that Sydney's gone. Instead of killing uh, Gail, they end up going back to the kitchen to try and find Sydney. And Billy's going, you know, rampant and destroying things, looking everywhere for Sydney. And Stu's just laying on the counter and he just looks out of it. And Billy's telling him to help. And he's like, I can't. I think I'm dying. I think you stabbed me too deep. They end up getting a phone call and it's Sydney with the voice changer. And uh, this pisses off Billy. And so he ends up running back to go look for her and he gives the phone to Stu and tells him to, to talk to her. And he says one of my favorite lines ever. She reveals that she called the police and Stu asked her if she really called the police. And, he, and she said, yeah, I did. And he said, my parents are going to be so mad at me. Oh my God, I love that line, too. I know. My parents are going to be so mad at me. It's like, seriously, this is what you're thinking of?
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> that that, that, plays that would be me, too, <laughs> Yeah, it plays on the delusion of his character. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, how, how disconnected he is and, like, how a real serial killer he really is. Yeah. So so like the theory that he could come back, it's just like, holy crap. You know what I mean? Like, because we really don't know, you know, but like just to to know that he has no empathy. He has no connection. He's so disconnected from reality that the only thing that scared him was his parents. And then he starts crying.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) It was brilliant.
3: (laughs) Because Stu uh, says one of the funniest lines whenever Billy reveals his motive. Sydney asked Stu what his motive was, and he goes peer pressure. I'm sensitive, so after that, uh, Billy's looking around for Sydney, and he hears a commotion, but it's coming from the TV, and it's it's on Halloween, and Jamie Lee Curtis is reveling through the closet, and all of a sudden, the door in front of him opens up, and Sydney comes out in the ghost face. I don't know why she put the costume on, and why she took the time to put the costume on, and comes out of the closet with the with the a Ghostface uh, costume on and stabs him twice in the umbrella and then drops the umbrella and then t- it takes off the costume. And Stu then reappears and he's trying to fight Sydney. They end up fighting off into the living room and they fall over the couch. Sydney ends up smashing him over the head with a flower vase. And this, then she gets up and she pushes the television set onto Stu's head. And so then that's the end of Stu. Or so we think. Yeah. I don't think he is dead.
4: I mean... <laughs> Can you recover from something like? I mean, that's pretty rough, but like, yeah, like, realistically, could you recover from something like that? But I mean, yeah. horror movies never are logical, anyways. Yeah,
3: so. The movies. After that, Sydney's checking to see if Billy is actually dead, and Randy comes back and he reveals he's just injured, and he credits the fact that he's uh, still a virgin, so so that's why he's still alive. I thought that was funny.
4: Yeah, I love that part because he's just like, well, he kind of outed himself as a virgin yeah. there.
3: <laughs> yep, and then Billy ends up uh, being still alive. Gets uh, uh he he jumps up, he punches Randy to the floor, and he begins to choke Sydney to death. And he's trying to stab her, and then she ends up shooting Billy off of Sydney. Randy now back on his feet, he tells Sydney and gail that according to horror movie law, he'll come back to life for one last scare. And Billy jumps up and screams at him, and then Sydney shoots him in the head. Finally killing him. <laughs> out of nowhere, Sydney's father comes out of the closet due to the commotion. And uh, then Sydney unties him and Randy's sister and everything. And then Dewey also shows up, who's also not dead. And they end up all being shown being carried away on a gurney. And Gail then makes a report on the events. And that wraps up Scream.
2: How long do you think they had her dad? Cat- I know, because <laughs> I went back and I'm just like, it has to be like what two days, three days? Yeah. Also, did he not come out of the closet she just came out of when she stabbed Billy? He went. She. He went back in. He got scared.
3: Yeah, I was like, <laughs> she was she in the closet, like in there with her dad, hoping he wouldn't not like, you know it wasn't gonna make a sound to scare Billy. And then why did he put the costume on? I don't understand that. <laughs>
4: I have
3: no idea. It's such a great movie. I have some small cons with it, unlike some people.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> but overall, I think it's like one of the most perfect horror movies there is. It really is.
4: It, the reason why I think it's just timing in the horror world, it was yeah. so perfectly placed. It really, really, really oh, yeah.
3: the horror genre. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it did. Because like when this came out, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm State, which is popping out sequel after sequel. And so people were kind of just kind of on horror. And then when this came out, it rejuvenated horror again. Some more interesting facts though. uh, So Skeet Ulrich's character, Billy Loomis, his name is a nod to Dr. Samuel Lewis and uh, Wes Craven also pushed for him to be Billy because he reminded him a lot of Johnny Depp from the original nightmare on street.
2: Okay. That makes sense now. Yeah. Best kill in that movie was Johnny Depp.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah,
2: sure.
3: So, Courtney Cox also, like, she really pushed to be in the movie as Gail Weathers and wanted the Gail Weathers role because she was doing Friends at this point and she wanted to break away from that so she wouldn't just be known as just that character from Friends. So uh, So, this is the one that I thought was really awesome. So, the voice of Ghostface is voiced by Roger Jackson. He's actually never once met any of the actors. But Wes Craven wouldn't let him meet the cast. He wanted to keep them separate. Not lot of people know, but like when on the scenes where they're talking on the phone, they're talking to him in, in real time. Roger Jackson's in another room separate from the, from the cast, and uh, so they're talking on the phone with him. Well, he wanted to keep them separate so that when they're on the phone with him, they can't picture what this guy looks like, and they don't know this guy, so they just have some creepy guy on the phone. And so some of their reactions are genuine of them actually being, you know, scared of who's on the phone. That's cool. I like that. Uh, So the actual, like, design of Ghostface originally, the costume was all white, but they, people said. Okay,
4: yeah, that would not.
3: Yeah. Yeah. People said that it it resembled the the KKK a little too much. And so they wanted to steer away from that. So then they decided on the all black costume. I'm
4: glad they did that.
3: Oh, yeah. That that would be weird. Uh, all white ghost face.
4: It's, it wouldn't work anyway. Like, even take the other part out of it. It just, I don't think it would
3: work. Yeah. So, also, the, the actual ghost face mask. So, when they were coming up with, for the design of it, they had artists from, like, all over the U.S. and, and the art department at the studio uh, come up with hundreds of different designs, but nothing stood out. One day, they were, they were doing a house scouting location thing. Uh, for the shooting and they ended up finding this house and inside the house laying on a bed was the ghost face mask. And so they ended up uh, trying to, like, come up with, because, like, they didn't own the rights to use it. So, like, they ended up trying to come up with some kind of design that closely resembled it, but they couldn't quite get there. So they ended up just paying the company who made it for the rights to use it. I thought that was interesting that they just literally just found the mask laying on a bed. It's like it was always destined to be the mask in the movie. That's pretty cool. Originally, the studio was pushing to do Vancouver to save money. But Wes Craven pushed for Santa Rosa, California, because he said it felt like it was going to be he said it felt like it had the small town atmosphere that they were looking for. And uh, so originally they were going to use the Santa Rosa High School in California to. For, the, for Woodsboro High School, they were all set for filming for it and everything. And at the very last minute, the school board pulled the contract because there was a, another student from a, a nearby town that recently got murdered. Ooh. And they ended up pulling it because they didn't want to be seen as glorifying violence depicted in the movie because, you know, the, a, a lot of teens die. They didn't want to be associated with that. And so they ended up pulling the contract for them to film. And so then they ended up having to be, they had to use the Sonoma community center. I think I said that right to do the high school. And you know, obviously that pissed off a lot of people because I mean, this is last minute. This is filming. You can't just do things last minute. You got to go by a schedule that this cost them a shit ton of money and stuff. So I don't know if y'all have seen it, but at the end in the credits Wes Craven left a message. There's a a credit that reads, no thanks whatsoever to the Santa Rosa City School Board uh, District Governing Board. What? Yeah. (laughs) It's in the credits. Oh, my
2: God. I need need to go back and see that.
3: Yeah. No thanks whatsoever.
2: (laughs) I mean, I would have been pissed, too. You know, because you have, like, permits. You have to go through all these things to, to film a movie, and then they screwed up the whole timeline.
3: Yeah. Then the opening scene w- when Drew Barrymore's crying, Wes Craven would tell her stories about animal cruelty to keep her upset and crying for this scene.
2: This girl, oh my gosh, yeah, oh my god, the puppies, you know how she talks, it's like yeah. a delay. Oh my god, I could, Im- I could imagine what he was telling her and just the crying that would come out of this girl's mouth. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
3: Uh, so th- this is one like I didn't realize so the part at the school while the news reporters and stuff Linda Blair cameos as a reporter during that scene and you know Linda Blair's uh, she plays a uh, possessed girl from the exorcist yeah yeah, yeah. I, I caught
2: that I have yeah. to go back and look then
3: I yeah I just love that whole ending that credits that's absolutely hilarious and, and so petty and just so up my alley yeah <laughs> I love that. So, like everybody knows, Courtney Cox and David Arquette fell in love while filming this movie. Ended up getting married after filming this movie together. Matthew Lillard and Neve Campbell also got together during the filming of this movie and ended up dating for two years afterwards.
4: I didn't know that. Oh, did. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs>
4: interesting.
3: Yep. Yeah. It's just a little bit of interesting facts uh, around the movie. So. All right, so let's let's close this up. What's everybody's thoughts? Let's start with Jr. because he's an asshole. (laughs)
2: Actually, I I think Jr. might have had a dip for that uh, appointment he had. I think he did.
3: That's right. That's right. right. But
2: he he gave it he gave it a five out of five, even though he complained. Five out of five screams, he said, even though he's an asshole and complained. Okay, we'll go to Maria then. Um, I give it a four out of five. well, not for 4.5. I get a 4.5. Okay. The only reason I say point five on it is because I don't like when they spoon feed people like the story. So like when they start doing very meta stuff, it became a little bit too much. Yeah. And so like, and then when you set the tone for the first movie, it just gets a little more worse in the other movies. <laughs> and I think that's why I like the fourth movie, because it's just a rehashing of it. And it's not as over the top. Yeah. You know, and, and then plus, I'm just like, why was Stu crazy? Like, he's just a serial killer. Like, is there any real motive he had? Like, just besides being Billy's best friend, Peer pressure, <laughs> whatever. That wasn't the real line he had. <laughs> but no, I, I did enjoy it. Um, I wish I would have watched it a long time ago over again. Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have because I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would going back to it now. So, yeah. yeah, it's definitely up there on, like, my top list of movies that I enjoy uh, as far as horror movies concerned. Yeah, 4.5 for me. Okay.
3: And Cece?
2: You know me. I
4: Five out of five, of course, because, again, this is one of my favorite. This is the thing. I flip-flop uh, between this and Nightmare being my favorite horror movie ever because – They're both so near and dear to me, and it just depends on my mood because I can't rank one over the other for some reason. But I get what you're saying, though, Maria, about all that. Like the thing about that is, see, that's what I thrive on is all the meta shit, because I feel like I am Randy and I am Kirby, where I'm just like that horror movie fan that's just a freak and that like. (laughs) is into everything like i always make the joke like if i was ever going to be a horror movie character i'd be the one that's getting killed but like thinking it's awesome at the same time or something (laughs) but i'd also be terrified because i'm actually a little bitch but (laughs) um but yeah i you know me this is one of my favorites so of course i'm gonna give it a five out of five
3: i agree with everything you said uh this is absolutely one of my favorite horror movies of, of all time Friday the 13th still holds my heart as my number one favorite horror movie, specifically part seven. But this is definitely up in my top five, at least. And I'll also give it a five out of five. This is like as close to perfect in a horror movie as you can possibly get, especially the opening 10 minutes is in my opinion, the best opening in horror I've ever seen. I don't think any other movies ever came close to doing what it did in my opinion. Thanks for having me
4: again. I've had a lot of fun.
3: Thank you. Thank you. I'll definitely have to bring you on some more sometime. For any of those who may not be aware, I'm sure everybody's aware of of your show, go ahead and plug where people can find you at, CC.
4: Oh, yeah. So we are, uh, me and my co-host Jess, we are the Scream Queens on any podcast um, platforming streams such as, you know, uh, Spotify, Apple, and all that. Um, You can find us on Twitter at Scream Queens 85. That's probably our most uh, active social media right now. Um, but we do have a Facebook. It's a like page that's uh, the Scream Queens. Uh, and we do have an Instagram at the Scream Queens podcast.
3: And also Scream Queens is also part of the Slash and Cast podcast network. Yes.
4: Is, <laughs> Thank you.
3: Yeah, another wonderful thing that I think all anybody who listens to horror podcasts should check out. I mean, all the shows are wonderful, especially dead in Santa Carla, uh, silver screen Scream show. And uh, we came from beneath the sea. All, all super fun shows. Everyone should check out. And uh, also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, give it, all those shows a five star review.
4: Yes, yes. Our our network is amazing. I'm hoping you guys will join soon.
3: Hopefully, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so too. <laughs> so too. Well, uh, we hope everybody has enjoyed this episode. Uh, next episode, uh, I'm, I know Maria is super excited about it. We'll be reviewing Stephen King's It, the mini series, not the movies. I know. Maria can't wait to talk about a movie that came from a book.
2: <laughs> what do you got to say it like that for, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm having a problem now since the, the newer versions came out of not like putting the three together and saying the differences. So I know it'd be too much. So we'll just we'll just go over the series. I'll try my hardest not to include anything from the latest versions of the movies but it's super yeah. hard now it's super hard but i really love pennywise and i really love tim curry so this is like a movie that's dear to my heart um it's up there it's up there in my top 10 movies of all time um yeah i'm super excited so <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited to listen to it
3: it should be a fun one I can't it's funny
4: because it. actually wait what what week is that coming out by the way so that's
3: uh, uh it's if everything goes good, that should upload October 2nd.
4: OK, because you know how we talked. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. literally doing ours this week. <laughs> really? Awesome. including The new movies, too. So it should be a little bit more. It's going to be a bit more confusing.
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: Um, but yeah, that's so funny that we kind of have the same idea at the same time.
3: <laughs> I try to go on back listening to old Bloody Date Night episodes and I, I'm on their review of the It mini series.
2: <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super good. It's just that um, it's so hard not to include the new one now because you want yeah. to say what's the differences between the three and who did it better. You know, Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's up to J.R. and Kyle if we wanted to stay in the miniseries. But like I was doing my notes and I'm just like, oh, I want to say this, but I can't.
3: Yeah, I would say probably miniseries. And and then you can also talk about the book as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because the book is phenomenal. It's just it's so huge and massive. You can really beat somebody with it. Um, But (laughs) Yeah, it's like 1,200 pages. but I do
4: have like a hardcover of it.
2: It's fucking huge. Yeah, it's huge. I actually read it in a month because I wanted to read it. I never finished it when I was a kid. It actually scared me. Um, so I went back and read it after the remake, before the remake came out. So I gave myself one month. So it was like, what, 50 to 75 pages a day almost? Tried to? Yeah. yeah
3: yeah well uh since is our special guest i'll let cece close us
4: oh yeah uh stay spooky everybody wear your mask and save halloween <laughs>
3: exactly
2: yes thank thanks. you cece
3: thank, thank you guys you. thanks everybody for listening and we hope you join us next episode and with that we must bid you adieu goodbye and good dot stay creepy